Corinthians. If you want to turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And we're going to be verses 24 through 27. Today we're going to talk about a boxer and a runner, neither of which am I. (laughs) So hopefully the Lord encourage you. Made for Ministry has been our series, and we started out, remember the first week, we looked at that everybody has a gifting. We looked at the Lord created apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers for the work of the ministry, that we would all grow to the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ, right? That we would become everything we need to be. So um, we're going to continue that series here today. So let's look there in verse 24, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and let's work our way through this passage. The scripture there says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Verse 26. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep my body and bring it under subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. This idea of thinking about kind of How do we take care? What do we remember? What do we do with our bodies? I thought this was a good little funny story to get you started this morning, thinking about things. There were three sisters. Their ages were 92, 94, and 96, and they lived together. One night, the 96-year-old drew a bath, and she put one foot in, and then she paused. Was I getting in the tub or out, she yelled. Well, the 94-year-old hollered back, I don't know. I'll come and see. And she started up the stairs, but she stopped on the first one and she shouted, was I going up or coming down? And the 92-year-old was sitting at the kitchen table having tea, listening to her sisters with a smirk on her face. And she shook her head and said, I sure hope I never get that forgetful. And she knocked on wood for good measure. Then she yelled, I'll come up and help both of you as soon as I see who's at the door. Keeping yourself in check, right? We want to have as many of our faculties as long as we can to do as much for the glory of the Lord as we can. We are doing more than ever before. Would you say that in some ways? Right? As society, we are doing more things than ever before. Now, we have more things automated for us, don't we? But we are trying to do and accomplish more things than ever before. And some of us, our personalities are kind of driven that we just don't sit still, and it's always like we've got to add something else to our plates. So we have to keep things going. Uh, last week, we looked at the idea of working with all of your heart and really the idea of giving all of ourselves. And we're going to continue some of that idea. Even our Sunday school lesson today was along those same lines. And I want to remind you today that the Lord's call is on all of your life, not just the working part of it. And I remember briefly last year, remember we talked last year, last week we talked about sacred and secular, right? Okay. There is a time when those things should be divided. There is a time when something is sacred and special and should be treated that way. But there's also this idea that we need to take the sacred into work with us so that we can see our work as valuable and that it matters to God. And it does matter to God. So part of this message, maybe we could almost, instead of titling it nine to five, we could title it 5 p.m. <laughs> 
to 9 a.m., right? It's the idea of giving everything that you have to the Lord. If we're going to recover all of our life for the Lord, we've got to figure out how to let ourselves be disciplined by God's word. How many of you like that word, discipline? <laughs> so um, I knew I was going to have this opportunity to go to India, and I thought this would be, I'd be a good time for me to try. I was really gaining a lot of weight, by the way. You probably saw that. It was pretty obvious to you. I was like, I need to start figuring out to do something a little different. This is a good excuse. India will be good motivation. And it wasn't too long when I was thinking that way that Michael and the boys had been doing some of their stuff, and Michael invited me a little bit to, do, to try out the Socon. And so I thought, well, I'll give that a shot. So when we started, I started uh, a Wednesday the 2nd, right? You have to have your, have your feast day there on Gen- New Year's Day, right? Eat your big food, whatever. So I started the 2nd. And then that Saturday, I was trying to run, I should say run walk, about a, a 3, a 5K around my house. And I was about at the, not even quite the one mile mark, and I'm going like this, and maybe not even going that fast. And I'm like, I hate discipline. I hate discipline. And that's all I could get in my head was, I hate discipline. I like things that just come easy, and they suit my passions, and let's go with that, right? What's interesting is we all have different passions, don't we? Like for me today, to get up, to come down here, to come to church, I want to be here. That was, there's no discipline in that for me. That's where my heart is, Okay. For me to even read my Bible, I love to read my Bible. There's no discipline there. For me to pray, for your preacher to pray, is really hard. Isn't that silly? Like, you're a preacher. You should, prayer should be your thing. But prayer is work for me. Read my Bible, come to church, is not work. And what I've already learned so far through trying to control what I eat, which is really hard, you guys know that if you've ever tried, um, is I learned that I hate discipline. I don't like it. And spiritually, sometimes we are the same way, aren't we, right? Like, we know what's good for us, don't we? We know that things will make us better. We know that will probably help us. But the getting there is like, oh, I can't. I just don't like that. And so today, we're going to go through some different areas of discipline in your life for you to think about. And I'm not trying to pound you, and I'm not trying to get you to do 27 things today. But I want you to listen to the Lord And hopefully there'll be one thing today that the Lord kind of challenges you about. And I want you to grab onto that one thing. And just like we talked through the whole Unstuck series, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to empower you to be better in that one area. That he will do the work in your life that you can grow. Everybody tracking with that? All right. Um, So here we're talking about some things. Uh, I really like this illustration. It's from Philip Yancey. And he says, what I would like to help you do is to uh, make you more accident prone. Anybody here accident prone? Uh, you like to tell other people they are, I know, but are you? Right? Well, this is a good quote. Look at this. This is from Philip Yancey. He says, a rabbi taught that experiences of God can never be planned or achieved, right? We may set out a great plan to accomplish this or that, but a lot of times our experience with God doesn't work like that. They are spontaneous moments of grace, and he says they are almost accidental. His student asked, Rabbi, if God realization is just accidental, why do we work so hard doing all these spiritual practices or disciplines? The rabbi replied to be as accident prone as possible. Isn't that good? I want to be in the spaces and in the places that I want to have the most opportunity to encounter God and his Holy Spirit that I can be led by him. That's what I want to be. So if encountering God sometimes seems like an accident, then Lord, make me accident prone 
that I would run into you all day long. Let's look again. The NIV here, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Paul says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? No participation trophies there, he says. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Verse 25. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last how long? Forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly, um, but, excuse me, guys, I think I missed the end of my scripture there. But I have to keep my body under subjection, lest by any means I have preached to others, I would find myself a castaway. All right, so we got two examples today. The first one is a runner, right? And again, I'm tell you, let me promise you today, this preacher is not a runner, okay? I may try to do a run for my little six weeks project here, but after that, I'm going to be a walker. I'd like to walk. I can do that. I can achieve that, but I can play football or basketball. Anybody wants to play games, let's go play. I will play. We play out in the snow, go sledding. I love all that, but for me running, whew, tough stuff. What can we learn from the runner today? Well, first off, the runner runs to get the prize, and so we need to run to win. We're not just running to run. We're running to win. Even in your Christian life, does your Christian life have purpose? Are you just coming to church to come to church? Are you just reading your Bible to read your Bible? Are you just being nice to people because somebody told you you should be nice to people? Right? You need to have purpose in your discipline. We need to run to win. Now, we know that if we're going to run a marathon, we need to run fast, right? But do you sprint the whole time? Rick, can you sprint a 100-mile race? <laughs> you can't really hardly sprint a five-mile race, and you're going to be in trouble, right? Some of those guys look like they do. They go so fast, right? It's the same thing in your spiritual life. Let me let you off the hook just a little bit this morning, okay? Maybe the Lord hits you with a hammer, and you're like, I need to change my life. And so what do you do? You say, tomorrow, you know what? I'm going to get up at 3 a.m., and I'm going to pray for three hours. And then after that, I'm going to read my Bible for a couple hours. And then I'm going to listen to Christian music for an hour. And then I'm going to go door knocking for three hours. And then when I get back home, I'm going to fast for about three hours. And then, you know, you could work your day out like that. How many of us would, would be able to maintain that pace very long? Right? So you have to pace yourself, but you've got to ask the Lord to lead you in the areas that you need the pacing. Right? For your preacher, for me, I do things kind of in small chunks. And I have most of my life. I just about read about a chapter, or usually a chapter, of the Scripture in the morning every day. When I was a teenager, I would read a chapter at night. And one chapter was enough for me to kind of look through and think over, and I try to pull something out of that chapter to grab hold onto for that time. Some of you may like to read a book at a time. I mean, you can read the book of 1 Corinthians probably in about 15, 20 minutes, right? You can read like Philippians or Colossians and Probably about 10 minutes, okay? If you like to do that, that's good. Some of you, it may be that you like to have that verse of the day that comes up and then you meditate and memorize and you know that verse. I guess what I'm trying to tell you this morning is there's many different ways to focus and meditate on the Lord's word. Just make sure that you're doing it, right? So don't feel like you have to run the sprint, but pace yourself, but make sure that you are running. So let me ask you this morning, how are you spending your time presently? Are you sprinting here and there until the nervous breakdown hits and then resting because you can't go on only to start the cycle again as soon as you recover from your last crash? 
So if you'd been with me on that first run, or my second run, I should say, I walked for three quarters of a mile, then I ran for a quarter of a mile. <laughs> then I walked for three quarters of a mile, then I ran for a quarter of a mile. So if you looked at my graph, it was kind of like these quick little bursts, and then it was a walk, 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 run, walk, 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 right? Some people's spiritual life is like that. Uh, we saw that a lot with our kids at youth camp. These kids would come to youth camp, and they'd be taken out of the world. Like, so they didn't have their phones and all their devices. They didn't have all of their negative influence from their friends. They didn't have all the criticism maybe they were getting from their family. And they would come and be around people who are worshiping and praising the Lord and studying the Bible. And you talk about revival in their heart. I mean, they would just awaken. And they would be on fire. And we would leave them out of that place, out of camp. And they were ready to go change the world for Jesus. And about two weeks back into school, what happens? For a lot of them. Not all of them, but for a lot of them. Oh, and you get in the same patterns. You go the same trends. And they go to school for the year. And there might be a little retreat here and there. And a revival meeting, something like that. And they come back to camp. And what happens next year at camp? of the Lord. Let's go do great things. <laughs> and so they had kind of this yearly cycle of, oh, this is awesome. The Lord's great. And then keep going, right? And that's what we're trying to avoid is having it just be this occasional event. We want to pace ourselves in the Lord. It's not good on your body to run like that, is it? To sprint, then stop. Then sprint, then stop, right? It's not good on you spiritually either if you try to live your life that way. If we're going to win, we've got to find the right pace and we have to discipline ourselves in that pace. And so the next part, what Paul says to the Corinthian church, he says, you need to go into strict training. If a runner wants to do good, what, what kind of training is he going to do? I should have probably done an interview with Rick this morning. He could tell us all these things, but, all right. Well, you, what I found out, again, this is all, I'm a newbie at any of this stuff, when I did that first run, my knees and this part of my back right here, they were killing me. But I've also been trying to do some sit-ups and push-ups, and what happens to that core as it gets stronger, guess what? The running doesn't hurt as bad, okay? Even today, I could shovel snow just a little longer than normal because this part of my body was just in a little bit better shape than it normally is. And it may not be that way in a few weeks, so don't, don't get, I'm not trying to say too much or you follow what I'm saying, okay? But if you want to be good at running, there's other things that you can work on to make that happen, right? You can make yourself disciplined in certain areas that are going to improve you in your run. And that's what we want to think about this morning. Runners, they go into strict training. Uh, runners don't usually fill up on donuts and chips all the time. Oh, there is a run where you can run for donuts, right, Rick? Is that right? Um, and donuts and chips are fine in moderation, right? But if that's all you're living on is donuts and chips, how's your run going to go? You'd be like that banana that's over the side of the fence after the first one mile, right? Have you guys heard that story before, okay? Runners prepare for races that are ahead. They know kind of what's coming up, and so they think about that. They meditate on what's important for them to win the race. They aren't as easily distracted by unimportant things. If a runner is always looking around to see how everybody else is doing, what happens? We even teach this in sports, right? If you're in a football and you're going down the field, are you looking to see where your defender is? You better be running, right? If you're running the bases in a baseball game, are you supposed to look and see what's going on the rest of the way before you? Like, if you make that decision, you better be focused and you go with all you got, right? So it's important for us to stay focused. We are running. Here's the thing. We are running for an incorruptible crown. Can you guys bear with Preacher for a soapbox just a little bit this morning here? Think about this with me. And there's different ways to think about it. Hear me in this. But I, I want you to remind you how important it is what you do here today. Um, who is open 
Who was open yesterday or even this morning early? Who's, what kind of businesses were open? What? Grocery store, right? Hospital? Service station? Police department? Right? Starbucks works it. <laughs> you would think that the things that are probably some of the more necessary things are the things that stay open, right? Even in our current government shutdown, we got FAA controllers, air traffic controllers. I had a friend that lived in Memphis, was one of those. They're doing their job even though the government shut down. Why? Because they don't do their job. Those planes aren't going to fly, are they? Right? What I want to challenge you with a little bit today to think about is that what we do here, I think, is as important as the hospital and the police station and the service station and those kind of things, right? Now, we can't always come here, and we don't want to endanger anybody in their safety. We don't want to hurt somebody from serving the Lord down the road because they took too high of a risk here. But at the same time, I want you to think about how important it is that we have an opportunity to hear the gospel, to hear the word of the Lord, to hear in context with one another, to worship together, and then to let that gospel go out of this place. It is a big deal. We are running for an incorruptible crown. We're not running for corruptible things. We're not just trying to make money. So if we're going to run to win, here's a few things I want you to think about. How are you running today? Are you pacing yourself? Or are you just trying to finish? <laughs> we can run to win, but it's going to take daily effort. It's going to take hard work to please the Lord. How are your spiritual disciplines today? Are you spiritually fit? So what I want to do in the next section here, just briefly, I want to walk you through five areas. Some people have called this the Christian's pentathlon. Uh, this is from a Methodist uh, organization. And if you find yourself caught in the rat race instead of running to win, remember we talked about last week working for the weekend, right? If you find yourself just working for the weekend and you want to run paced with discipline, here's some questions that we're going to work through this morning I want you to think about just a little bit. So the five areas, you want to pull those up, Diane? These are the five areas we want to think about today, okay? Your personal life, what you have control, your family life, your church life. Your work life, we talked about a lot, of that, a lot of that last week, and your community life. So let's look briefly at your personal life. This is, includes your relationship with God and your emotions and any other private and individual areas. Here's the first question. It's a pretty easy one. How have you been spending time with God? Maybe the first question should be, have you been spending time with God? Besides Sunday, besides a Wednesday, whatever you're worship times are, okay? Think about that today. How many days this past week did you find some quiet time alone to pray and to read the scriptures, right? Personal life, have you been getting rest? Isaiah's girlfriend, Jesse, when she was here, she asked me questions. She was asking about the Sabbath. Are we supposed to take the Sabbath? <laughs> and I gave her my penology, two cents kind of thing, was like, well, we need to take a day of rest. The Lord told us he built us to rest one day a week. You can work seven days, and you can do that for a while, but what's that going to do to you personally? Right? You better find a way to rest. And then, even personally again, how is your diet? What have you been eating? How have you been exercising? And again, the, the point is, you're going to see this later on the message. It's not that we're trying to live as long as we can, but we want to be in good enough shape that we can be effective where the Lord would send us, Right? And so, and again, I'm not going to be some dietitian practitioner. You're not going to hear this every Sunday, okay? I'm not trying to get you there. But I'm saying try to help ourselves be in good enough shape as the Lord will allow. He can use us 
uh, and we won't be uh, hindering ourselves from doing some sort of service that otherwise we could do. So think about those things. Again, how are you doing personally? Let me give you this illustration here from Jim Cope. He says, uh, when I was seven or eight, we lived next to a boarded-up school. We took turns rotating the merry-go-round in the playground for our friends. They'd climb on and grab the rails, and we'd run alongside as fast as we could, pushing. You guys remember doing that when you were kids? They don't even have those sometimes anymore. I think they're too dangerous. <laughs> but, you know, the merry-go-round, it would spin around, and the big kids would get on the outside, and they would shove and get the little kids, try to get the little kids to scream as much as they could, right? Remember that? The bigger kids relished the thrill of hanging out beyond the platform to experience the maximum G's, right? They would hang like this and feel the whole weight of it. The smaller kids were taught to quit crying (laughs) by slowly working toward the center pole because the closer you got, the more stability you enjoyed, right? The closer you got to the middle, the less G's you experienced because you weren't going, getting swung around. You were getting barely moved around. Now think about this for a second. This is a great principle. The faster your life goes, the more focused you must be on your center if you're going to survive and thrive. Who is the center of your life? Isn't that good? It's not your family. It's not your career. It shouldn't be your golf game or your favorite football team. It should be God. We often forget and neglect that. Due to the exhilaration of our ride or the sheer panic from the velocity, we hang on for dear life, but we don't catch our breath. It's time we realign our activities around the security of the perfect center drawing closer to him. If you feel like you're riding the merry-go-round and your life is about to throw you off, work towards the center. And the center is spending time with the Lord. And when you get closer to the Lord, all of a sudden the storm comes a lot more around you. I mean, it still may be crazy, but you're able to deal with it so much better. All right, second area today, family. Think about your family today. How are you doing with that? That could be your marriage, your children, your relationship with your own parents or siblings or any dependents. Now, for those of you that are married, when's the last time you went on a date with your spouse? Don't answer that. Are you spending time with each of your children? And this is a big one. We have a lot of grandparents here, but it's still a good thing for us to think about. Are you eating together? Man, we live in a culture today where everybody just comes in and they all eat at different times and do their thing and go on with life. If you want to really put some stability in your family, eat together. We need to see more of that. Uh, When's the last time you had family devotions and you prayed together, read the Bible together? And another good question, again, we're not going down this whole thing, but just for you to think about this morning, are you using good sense with your dollars and cents, right? Your family, are you making good choices? We need to make sure that we're building in some rest and we're building in these barriers in our family so that we can handle the storms. Another quick illustration here, but I think this is really good. I hope if you haven't heard this before, I encourage you this morning. In 2005, there was a team in the Netherlands who worked with, um, they worked meticulously to break the world record for falling dominoes. And to accomplish the feat, they needed to set up over 4 million dominoes. Can you imagine? 4 million. Their painstaking labor came within inches of destruction when after a long day of setting up plastic rectangles, one of the team members left a window open. A sparrow flew in and knocked down approximately 25,000 dominoes. Can you imagine? The reason all the dominoes did not fall is interesting. The organizers placed 750 built-in gaps intermittently throughout the succession of dominoes. The intentional gaps were a safety device allowing enough space for a domino to fall without knocking over the ones behind it. 
This way, any accidental domino knocking would be contained, would not totally devastate their efforts. You got some gaps in your life to protect a little bit? You need those. And can I challenge you this morning what some of the gaps are? They're just one good decision, right? You guys know how bad decisions fall on each other, right? Well, and good decisions build on each other. If you can make some good decisions prayerfully with the Holy Spirit guiding, when the bad times come and you make the mistake and the dominoes start to fall, sometimes those good decisions that you made a few days or weeks or months or years ago, they make that gap. So just really encourage you prayerfully make good decisions. All right, your personal life, your family life. How about your church life? Includes your local church and your involvement with Christians wherever you go. This is a silly question because you guys are here this morning, but do you regularly fellowship with people who will challenge you spiritually? Hopefully you are doing that. How faithful are you to your local church? Are you trusting God in your giving? Can you share your faith? Can you testify to other people about what Jesus has done for you? Are you praying for other believers? Do you have anybody within your church to help hold you accountable for those goals? Be a part, be involved in your church. The fourth area is work. This is, of course, everything that you do and how you relate to your employers, your coworkers, customers, even as you work on products. Think about this for a second this morning. Do you set priorities for your workday? What do I hope to accomplish today? This next one's a big one. Everybody write it down or write it in your mind. Do you pray for your coworkers? Please pray for your coworkers. Amen? All right. Some of us spend more time with our coworkers than we do with our families. Right? Think about that. I mean, if I work a 40-hour-a-week job, and I'm working from 7.30 to 5 a lot of days with the same people there, and I get to spend from, you know, 5, 5.30 to 9.30 with my wife. That's really, <laughs> that's a lot of time with people, isn't it, right? So let's make the most of that time by praying for our coworkers. Are you doing your job with excellence? And here's another interesting question. Are you working too many hours? What? That's interesting, isn't it, right? Yeah, sometimes. Again, remember rest. Remember the gaps, okay? Let the Lord speak to your heart today if he's trying to. And do you worry too many hours about your work? Some of us have those jobs that you don't just get to leave at work. Hopefully you do. Those are the best kind of jobs, aren't they? Clock out, go home, do life. Go fishing, watch TV, whatever. Be with friends, go to church, all that's good stuff. Leave work at work. But some of us have those kind of jobs where you get texts and you get phone calls and servers are down and things are broken and something is an urgent emergency. That really is an urgent emergency, but you've got to take care of right away. And you can worry and think and dwell and obsess about work outside of work, right? Let the Lord take control of your work. The last one is your community life. This is really challenging to me. This is probably, of all these things I'm sharing with you morning, this is probably the hardest one for me. Do you meet socially with non-Christians? Stop just for a second with me. Name your uh, non-Christian friends. Name your closest non-Christian friends in your own mind today. Do you have any non-Christian friends? People that you hang out with that don't know the Lord? All right. Here's the challenge. You don't want to be um, spending all your time with someone who doesn't have any care for the Lord. That's not a good thing, right? But we need to be spending time with people who don't know the Lord so that we can love them and hopefully over their lifetime we can 
Help them be redeemed to God. And I'm not saying that you're some sort of salesman and you just love somebody in order to tell them the gospel and if they don't go, you go to the next person. I'm not talking about those kind of friendships. You love somebody regardless. But I'm saying each of us should have somebody in our life that doesn't know the Lord that we're trying to befriend and we're trying to love, okay? If you don't today, you can pray about that. Maybe that would be your goal this morning. Uh, Do you know your neighbors? See, some of you are so good, you know all your neighbors. And some of you are just like the horrible, wicked pins, and they may not know their neighbors right next door to them sometimes. Right? When you live in the suburbs, what happens? The gate goes up, and you go in. You get secluded in your life. You do your stuff in the morning. The gate goes up. You go out. Go out in the world. Gate goes up. You go back in. Right? And you know nothing about your neighbors. Again, if the Lord's speaking to your heart this morning that you need to get to know your neighbors better, please do that. Again, these are all disciplines in our life that we need to be looking after. Have you shared the gospel or the name of Jesus with an unbeliever in the past six months? When's the last time you told somebody that you didn't think knew Jesus about Jesus? When's the last time you said the name of Jesus at work and not as a cuss word? In our work climates today, we're almost scared to do that, aren't we? Don't be scared to do that. There's nothing wrong with that. Speak the name of Christ everywhere you go. See what happens. It was so fun this week. We were at lunch on Friday, and I pulled out my phone, and I'm showing the pictures from Sindhu and Minnie to like five of my coworkers. I'm telling them my story, getting to share what the gospel is doing. It was awesome, right? Look for those moments and those opportunities when you can share the gospel with the people around you. All right, so those are those five areas I want you to think about this morning. Let's look at the boxer real quick, and then we're going to call it a morning. Verse 26, Paul says, I don't beat like a man beating the air, fight like a man beating the air. I beat my body, I make it my slave, so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Don't be a shadow, what's a shadow boxer do? Don't be a shadow boxer. Right? You ever see the boys do that sometimes, right? Beating the air. Make sure, again, this is just like the runner, live intentionally. Shadow boxers are really busy. They're expending all kinds of energy, but none of those things really matter very much. Uh, How much time do you spend watching TV? This is uh, back a few years. says, for the first time, most American homes now have more television sets than people. Good night. We have television sets on our watches and our phones. And our refrigerators, we're trying to look for new refrigerators. You can get a TV on your refrigerator nowadays, right? They get all these speakers around your house, and they have video cameras. You can see the front door, but if you want to flip to CNN, you can do that, right? Everywhere we go is screens, and it's just going to be more like that. They're making the glass so all the glass can be screens. You can sit and have something fed to you 24-7 if you want, right? Don't be a shadow boxer. Live life intentionally. So think again this morning, am I fighting with purpose? Live intentionally. This is what a missionary does, and this is the lesson that Wendy and I learned, and I really learned it when we went over to Spain for the first time. I saw Anthony Lee and Tim and Christy, missionary college friends of ours. Anthony had a great bass voice. You know what he was doing in Spain besides preaching? He was leading choir. He was leading a choir so he could beat people so he could tell them about Jesus. Christy was a great piano player. You know what she was doing over there? She's giving piano lessons. She's giving piano lessons so she could meet people, so she could tell them about Jesus. Tim was a really good athlete. You know what he was doing? He was playing soccer with guys his age 
Why was he playing soccer? Because he needed to be in shape? Yeah, because he had fun playing soccer? Yeah. He was playing soccer so he could meet people, so he could tell them about Jesus. You like to go bass fishing? Don't go by yourself. Find somebody who doesn't know the Lord, take them bass fishing, tell them about Jesus. You like to go running? Don't go by yourself. Take them running with you so you can tell them about the Lord so they can know Jesus. Good night. Lord helps me this year, even a Frisbee golfer. I hope maybe I can get out to a league event or two, make a friend, see if they know the Lord, tell them about Jesus. The first time I did that with my neighbor, I found out he was a, he was a really passionate Christian. <laughs> I was like, Lord, why did you give me somebody like that? I want a heathen. <laughs> right? That's how it works sometimes, right? What are you doing intentionally? I mean, every hobby we could go, there's so many hobbies in this room, right? If you want to ride Harleys, ride Harleys to tell somebody about Jesus. You want to go to car shows, go to car shows, tell somebody about Jesus. You like crafts, get with somebody to do, tell them about Jesus. Barbecue contests, get with somebody to tell them about Jesus, right? Because there's all kinds of people that don't love the Lord that are in all these things that we're in, right? Live intentionally. I think you guys have it. This is from Jack London. I love this. This is so good. Uh, the proper function of man is to live, not to exist. I shall not waste my days in trying to prolong them. I shall use my time. Isn't that good? Right? Uh, I think this is silly, but Braveheart, the way that guy quotes it sometimes, is almost like not everybody has a chance to really live. If all you're doing is living to prolong your time, if all I was doing was trying to diet so I could live longer and exercise so I could live longer, and I'm just trying to live longer, live as long as I can, big deal. The most impactful life that ever lived only lived to 33. How many of you are older than 33 today? <laughs> Think about that. And most of the impact of that life was taken care of in how many years? In three years. Three years. Think about that. You may think, well, you know, I'm past my prime, whatever, like those kind of things. It doesn't take long for the Lord to take a little bit and really help you live and really use that in an amazing way for him, right? Okay? Think about it that way. It's not how long you live, it's what you do with the time that you have been given. I've said this before, and you guys can read the quote on the screen, but basically it's like this. The best thing that ever happened to me was the day that Jesus came in my heart. And it's a day I will never forget. I believe, you can check this with yourself, I believe the best thing I can do for anybody else is find some way to point them to Christ. Whatever that way is, whatever that little seed or plant, or if it's actually going the Romans road, or if it's just praying with them, or if it's just a hug or a card that says, I'm thinking about you, but anything that's going to push them closer to Christ, that's the best thing that I can do. Jesus said the whole reason he came to earth was to do what? To save sinners the healthy, they don't need a physician or a doctor. The sick, they need healing, right? Jesus came to save sinners. So if the best thing that happened to me was the day I got saved, and the best thing I can do for anybody else is lead them towards the Lord, and the whole reason that Jesus came to earth was to save sinners, then don't you think that should have some impart on how I'm living my nine to five or my five to nine? Right? And that's my challenge to you guys today is that you would think about that, that I would live in a way that is intentional and is directed, and I would 
pray the Lord through his Holy Spirit would help me be disciplined in the areas I need discipline so that I could be all he wants me to be. Just quickly there, you'll notice too, he said, Paul said, and, and I, even after I preached to others, <laughs> I beat my body. Why? So that I don't get disqualified. You ever known any preachers getting disqualified? Yeah, right. You know somebody who's preached about doing right and then they go do wrong? Or maybe you've known even Christian co-workers who make a pledge, they make a stand, and then they fall away into temptation, right? That's why Paul says, hey, I'm even, even Paul, Paul, who's filled with the Holy Spirit, writes all the New Testament. He says, I have to beat my body <laughs> so I don't become disqualified. So we all need to ask the Lord to help us with our discipline. All right. On the day 43-year-old former pro football player Reggie White died, professional football teams were playing big games with playoff consequences. One of the significant games on that day, this was in December of 2004, it was actually a Colts-Chargers game in which Peyton Manning set an all-time NFL record for touchdown passes in, in a season, and he helped the Colts, Colts towards the playoffs. Tony Dungy, who was the head coach at the time, he put sports in perspective when he said of Reggie White's death that it makes you understand that as great as this game is, it's not as big a deal as we think. Reggie always said, now look at this, the Lord only gives you one day, and you better make the most of it. <laughs> Amen. You guys, sometimes we worry so much about next week and next month and next year, and we can get angry and upset and frustrated about what we don't even know. The Lord gave you today. And praise the Lord, all you guys came here today to soak in a little bit, but hopefully tomorrow the Lord gives you tomorrow. And if he does give you tomorrow, that's your day to, to make his name great and to be filled with great joy as the Lord fills you. All right. Let's stand this morning. I know I gave you a lot of questions today, and I was just hoping again not to overwhelm you with so many questions but maybe there's one thing that stood out on your heart today. The Lord's provoking me about making sure that I have relationships with people who aren't Christian, even outside of my work. I need to make sure I have some friendships with people who don't know the Lord so I can share the Lord with them. Maybe the Lord spoke to you about your personal life, or he spoke to you about your family, or he spoke to you about your church, or he spoke to you about your work, or he spoke about your community. Wherever that area is today, would you surrender to the Lord today? Maybe discipline. You know there's a life area of your life that is just wearing you out. And again, to get unstuck, we need the Holy Spirit to do the work in us, but we have to submit ourselves to his work. And today, if you're stuck in something, and I, hey, I have been, I know you guys have been before, today, take this time to surrender yourself to the Lord. Say, Lord, you take control of me. And in this specific area, would you give me what I need to be the person I need to be? Let's just take a moment again this morning to pray. And ask the Lord to guide our thoughts and our steps and that he would be honored and that we'd be filled with great joy.